Hi, I'm Nancy Dufresne. Welcome to our podcast channel. We know you'll be blessed by today's message. We'll see how all this comes out tonight. I'll just jump around, pop around, hop around. You go with me. How's that? When Dad Hagen made this statement, when reverence and honor are restored, when reverence and honor are restored, there will be a restoration and multiplication of the miraculous power of God. But look at that first phrase, when reverence and honor are restored, meaning we lost some things. Too familiar. Treating God like a chum instead of reverencing Him as He is. Listen, He is, and Jesus is so close and so dear, but we don't lose that reverence for who we're dealing with. Amen. And in our conversation to show that reverence, in our songs, in our worship, showing that reverence in the way we handle one another in our church family, showing that reverence. Amen. Amen. That reverence in the body of Christ, the reverence in the local church, but the reverence begins in the, in the life of the individual. Amen. And uh, for those who will, God says, those who honor me, I will honor. There is a there's a boomerang effect. And when God's honor starts showing up, it shows up as miracles. Amen. That's what Dad Hagen's saying. There will be a restoration and multiplication of the miraculous power of God. Why? Because reverence and honor puts us in God's flow and it's a miracle flow. You can be seated, but don't unhook. And I don't know, I might have David just... The singers, you can go, but David, you just... Stand handy, if you don't mind. I, um, I want you to turn real quick. As I said, I'm going to jump around, so we'll see how this comes out. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 7, the Amplified Classic translation I'm going to read out of. Hebrews chapter 5. In verse 7, we invite those who are watching by live stream, follow along with us. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7. The Amplified Classic. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up definite, special petitions. Notice this being specific matters to faith. Many times when people are too general with their faith, it's because they generally don't believe much. Faith will turn you specific. Jesus offered up definite. What's that mean? Very specific. Definite, special petitions for that which he not only wanted, but needed. And supplications with strong crying and tears to him who was always able to save him out from death. And he was heard because of his reverence toward God, his godly fear, his piety. Look at this next phrase. This is where I was headed. In that he shrank from the horrors of separation from the bright presence of the Father. That's what he wept over. Not that he was going to be paying the price for humanity. That didn't make him weep. It says for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. That was a joy. What made him weep was three days of separation from the presence of his father. He had never been separated. Think of it. When it talks about that he would get up before daybreak and go to a a lone place, a private place. What was he doing? He was hearing 
what his life would look like that day. Every day getting played out, spoken out, revealed to him so that when he went out among the people, he knew what the father wanted to do for them. And that's why he said, I only say what I hear my father say. I only do what I see my father do. Why? Because he took time every day to see and to hear. And then he just walked out among the people and manifested what he saw and heard. That's how he lived. Um, was it, who was it that was referring to, was it, I don't remember, we've, I, I told Pastor Debbie, I feel like I need to be getting up and introducing someone in this service. <laughs> I don't, I don't remember if it, who it was, if it was Brother Copeland or Brother Richard. And they referred to, I think it was Brother Richard that referred to the wedding where Jesus turned the water to wine. What, can you help me? Was it Brother Richard? Do you remember? See, you're no better than I am in this moment. It was Jesse? It was Jesse. See? I love the dynamic because she said they have no more wine. And he said, what's that got to do with me? In other words, I'm not part of the catering business of this, this, this shenanigan here going on. And, uh, and God didn't initiate that. Jesus didn't initiate that, but his mama did. And I, I just so love the dynamic. He said, what's that got to do with me? And she never talked to him again about that. Yeah, that's right. I'm done talking to you. <laughs> she turned to the servants and put a demand on him and said, whatsoever he says to you, do it. How did she know to tell him that, to tell the servants that she had never seen him work a miracle? How did she know that that was how you get a miracle? Because he hadn't yet worked one. Right. How did she know that his words would lead to the answer? How did she know that? Because Jesus, when he started his public ministry, that's not the first day he only said what he heard his father say. Yes, yes, that wasn't the first day he only did what he saw his father do. He was doing it through all the 30 years of preparation. He was only saying what he was hearing his father say. He was only doing what he was seeing his father do. And so she knew when you come up to this place of the miracle, I've seen this young man. I know the way he lives. He only says what he hears his father say. So whatever he says to you, do it. Where did he get these words that facilitated God? That made the entrance for God to do what God did among men in the presence of the Father. In the presence of the Father. He didn't just come up with a good plan. He didn't just form, you know, 30 steps to success. He heard. He heard the day. He saw the day and then he went out and walked the day. And this is what we read in Hebrews 5, 7. In that he shrank from the horrors of separation that he wouldn't hear. That he wouldn't see for three days. Right? Um, it was a horror to him to think that the presence of God would not be directing everything. Now, don't misunderstand me. He learned his father. He knew his father. So he knew what to say when he was separated those three days from the father. But he didn't hear it while he was down there. He learned it on earth so that he knew what to say when he was there. Thou will not leave my soul in hell to see corruption. He went down and declared some things. But for the first time, he was saying what he hadn't heard that day. That's right. 
Why was he separated from the presence of the Father for three days so that we would never be separated from hearing? We would never be separated from seeing. He was separated so that we don't live this life separated from his wisdom. You say, well, he's always present with me. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. Yes, but many don't live hearing and seeing. Amen. He, Jesus demonstrated to us how to live this life. Hear and see. Dad Hagen called it the spirit of seeing and knowing. That's right. What's he talking about? Take time to see and hear. Take time to know. Those who take time that it matters to them what God says about that situation before they forge ahead. If we don't take time to hear what God would say, we think we know. And that's a lack of reverence for who we carry in us. Bypassing what he wants to show and say to us. Amen. So think of what that meant for Jesus three days. It wasn't, I don't, he knew he was Satan's master. Yes. He was Satan's master. He went to hell not to see who would win. He went in there, Satan's master. He was there three days and not Satan's master. And he came out, Satan's master. It's just like in the 40 days in the wilderness. The spirit led him there, but he didn't lead him there to see who would win. (laughs) He went in, master. He, He operated there in the face of Great opposition. Master. Walked out as master. There was no hesitancy in him of who would win. The great heart to him was separation from the presence of God. Wow. Why? So we would never have to know what that is. So we shouldn't, if I could say this, we shouldn't be okay with a day not seeing and hearing something fresh, something fresh, something fresh. Jesus was the word made flesh, but he had to go every day to hear and see something for that day. If he needed it, where's that put us? Amen. So... Go with me. This is what God began dealing with me about for 2024. And know this, that when God gives us a directive for a year, that God will say it to you through your pastor. You need to pay attention to what your pastor says of what God says to them for that congregation. But for me our congregation and those who are hooked up with us. Yes. Yes. Isaiah 40, verse 31. Isaiah 40, verse 31. This is the King James translation. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew... That word in the Hebrew carries with it this meaning, exchange. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew or exchange their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint. The Amplified Classic translation says, but those who wait for the Lord, who expect Look for and hope in him shall change and renew their strength and power. They shall lift their wings and mount up close to God as eagles mount up to the sun. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint or become tired. This is a picture of really walking in the spirit, what it looks like. This is the outcome of someone who walks in the spirit. 
because in the, in the New Testament, the emphasis is life in the spirit. If we're not living, walking in the spirit, praying in the spirit, singing in the spirit, we're, we're sentencing ourselves to the lower natural flow of the earth. The New Testament believer, it's our emphasis is life in the spirit. It doesn't mean life in weirdness. It doesn't mean life in unsoundness. Life in the spirit means being led and dominated by your spirit. You turn here. You turn here and you go by what your spirit tells you to do. That means we become sensitive to the leadings of our spirit. Amen. And we will not have accuracy in following the spirit, number one, without knowing the word renewing our mind and number two, praying in the Holy Spirit, because that's one, one of the primary ways we become sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Amen. As we do that, then we have a place to draw from that when we're faced with something, we turn this way and say, what does this say? Whenever I, um, after Ed went home to be with the Lord and the building over here next door to us, it's called the Hagen building. He had that building about 70% finished. We looked at needing about $400,000 to complete it. But you understand when he went home to be with the Lord, we, we had multiple projects to finish. That was just one of them. And I didn't even really know what we needed to do. And every day we, we found out something new. And we got to believe something every day. And God impressed us every day. He just kept impressing us. And so when Morgan said earlier, you're sitting in a paid for building, that was the last thing on the checkoff list. But we were left with over $6 million and we didn't know that we needed a couple million immediately and God met that need. And we look back and we say, we just don't know how that happened, but it just happened. It just happened. But in the process of this, I would get up every day and um, there were certain projects that brought more opposition than others. Um, the devil opposed projects the most that were linked to others. If they were standalone projects, they didn't really have the same opposition. But if there would be a domino effect, then those pro uh, uh, one project would be opposed in a very strong way, trying to affect multiple projects. And so I would get up and I'd be getting dressed and all of a sudden I would feel like a blanket. I felt it tangibly would drop on me. What was it? The grace for the day. And I would know something's fixing to erupt, but I'm already cloaked for it. I would it tangibly feel it every single day that there would be an eruption of opposition. I would tangibly feel it. Why? It protected my mind. Why? So that my mind didn't rear up and start trying to lead this thing. It kept my, it helped me keep my divine order. That I'm led by my spirit. Because when opposition comes, it strikes the mind and it addles the mind. And if the devil can get you in that mental arena, he will whip you from pillar to post. And we have to become skillful at staying out of that arena that is being bombarded. And the only way to do that is you have to walk under divine peace. That's the only way you do that. You have to know how to tap into a divine peace that if I could say that it almost seems to like neutralize the mind. I don't know how other to say that. It would seem as though my mind was tranquilized divinely to where it could not be disturbed. And I would uh, get up day after day and one day I didn't sense that by four o'clock or so, I'd feel it come and go, oh, it's going to be later in the day. <laughs> but I lived by divine help. Walking in the spirit is living by divine help. 
Not going back to mental help. Not going back to calculated help. Academic help. Nothing wrong with academics as long as it doesn't oppose divine help. And I was down preaching in Texas and about 30 minutes before I was to go leave the hotel room to preach, I got a contact that from a bank that held the note on this property. Ed was trying to get this building refinanced and not to go into the whole thing, but he had an agreement with the bank. I'll get it refinanced. And that, that time they gave him to get it refinanced was almost gone. Meaning this, they could have taken over this property. And um, so there were, people have no idea all the things that were connected to different things. The problem was they said, we want that building finished. I said, yeah, me too. <laughs> we could not get refinanced because we had an unfinished building. Banks don't finance unfinished right. projects. So we couldn't get refinanced. Yet I've got to be refinanced within a short amount of time or they can take over. 22 acres in Southern California, you know, profitable. And um, so they sent a message and they said, by tomorrow, we want to know in our office where you're getting the $400,000 to finish that building. And it came with a threat. And I thought, I'm not touching this right now. I'm going to preach. Their pressure, I left with them. You better learn it. When people bring out pressure, leave it with them. Because if you take their pressure, they will start directing your actions by that pressure. And I learned I cannot let my mind come under that pressure of that situation. Jesus faced that with Lazarus. He whom thou lovest is sick. Jesus said, he's dead. He knew. He sleepeth, right? He's dead. But he did not let the pressure of that situation determine his pace. Pace matters. Faith has its own pace. And you better learn that pace and stay in it. That's called walking in the spirit. You walk at the pace of faith. What's the pace of faith? The pace of peace. And so they said, we want to know by tomorrow where you're getting $400,000. And I thought, I'm not touching that. In my mind, I, I can't even go there. You know, I'd already looked in my purse. It wasn't there. <laughs> And it came with a threat. So I go to preach and I come back home, come back to the hotel. I'm taking off my makeup. I'm getting ready to get in bed. And I'm thinking I'm going to go to sleep and go, oh, well, yeah, that's right. They want to know by tomorrow. Where is that money coming from? So I said this to God, quoting Hebrews chapter four, verse three, the amplified translation. It says, although his works have been prepared completed and waiting for all those who would believe from the foundation of the world. What's that mean? God's already finished your need. He's already completed it, provided for it. He did it before you ever showed up. He did it before your need showed up because he did it from the foundation of the world. So I laid in bed that night and said, God, this catches me by surprise, but not you because you already completed, prepared the supply for this. And it's waiting for my faith to show up. If it's completed and prepared, how come the answer hasn't shown up because it's waiting for your faith? This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. What's that mean? Victory's waiting for your faith to show up. And if your faith doesn't show up, your victory's going to go unclaimed. That's right. That's good. Because it's already prepared and waiting. It's completed. So I said, God, I don't know where the money is. That's not a, act, that's not a statement of doubt and unbelief. I don't know. If I did, brother, I'd be jerking it. <laughs> I said, but you know where it's at. And I've learned this about God. Many of you need to quit looking out here for 
exterior help to invade your life. Because the genius of God is to take what you have at your disposal that is not enough and turn it miraculous. I'm just telling you, 99% of every miracle God has done for us has not been from the outside. It has been touching and breathing on what was already ours. Yes, amen. People are waiting for something to somebody mail you in a big check. I'm not saying it won't, but primarily that's not the first way God works. He takes what's already in your house and he touches it and it becomes something it wasn't before. Because the devil would love to keep you out here and miss what's right in front of your nose. That's why some of you that aren't married yet that need your, your married age, your best friend, your best friend. Well, they're my best friend. Yeah. Your best friend is your best option. But you're looking out here from somebody from the mall or somebody from the theater. That's just a little God bless you along the way. Because people don't see what's right here because they're always looking for something far and, and spectacular to arrive and show up. There ain't nothing that spectacular out there, people. Come on now, come on. Just saying. God delights in taking whatever is right in front of you and transforming it. It's amazing. And it keeps you to where you're not always, where is it going to come from? Just say, Father, within, within my reach is every answer I need. And within my reach. All it's, all it's waiting on is, your, is my faith to be joined with your power that touches what's within my reach. And I said, God, I don't know where it is. Listen, I didn't get on the phone, phone and start calling. Would you like to sew? I didn't call a preacher. I didn't, I didn't call a preacher and say, pray for me. I'm not dropping hints. Dropping hints is a, is a way to stay out of your miracle. You can't manipulate miracles. You can't manipulate. You got to get all manipulation away from miracles. You know. And it, listen, if God can't do it, we need. Let's just find it out now. Let's not go into go into this ten more years and then we under all that. Let's just find it out now. Right? But He can, and He does, and He did. So I'm laying there and I said, God, you've already supplied this. I don't know where the answer for it is, but you do because you've already supplied this. All I need to do is hear what you've already done. That's what Jesus did when he would get up in the morning and go aside. He went out to hear what God had already done and prepared for that day. And he just walked out what was already prepared. How easy is that? How how simple is that? The success is in the hearing. The success is in the taking the time to see and hear what he knows. What's that called? The wisdom of God, which is the principal thing. People say, Pastor Nancy, I've got this problem. I don't know what to do. Well, I don't know what to do, but the wisdom of God's already answered it. You've just got to hear his wisdom on it. Many times people face a need and they just get scriptures and they just take these scriptures and just start throwing it at their need when they haven't taken time to hear the wisdom for their situation. Then when you hear his wisdom and you put, you lay a scripture on that with the wisdom of God, you get results like this instead of just, I'm I'm throwing out scriptures and you're getting deader and drier the more you do it. Take time to hear. Take time to hear. That's how this gal 
finished out every single project that I had no qualifications to finish when my husband left. Because it wasn't about what I knew, it's about what I heard. I took time every day to hear. On a piece of property, I was closing uh, escrow on a piece of property and there were some things that were, um, how do you say it? They were... um, less than favorable in our condition that they were trying to work. And uh, there was a lot of pressure and a lot of threats and a lot of lawsuit threats and all this going on. And I was on a conference call at one occasion. There was about 10 of them and their lawyer on the phone and putting pressure. And I said, and I, on the inside of me, it just seemed like, don't give them anything. Don't give in to anything that they're saying. And I walked out and I I put a a hold on the conference call. I said, I've got to leave the room. I'll be back in a minute. And I walked into the, the green room back there. And I said, God, I said, I know this. When you do business, there's give and take. I understand that you can go in there and you can be, you can be dogmatic and think it's faith and it's not faith. You just dogmatic. And many times people confuse being dogmatic with faith and calling it boldness. And it's not faith. It's just not willing to listen. Even. So I said, God, I understand that. Um, sometimes you've got to give and take. And I said, they're offering me a lot of give and take in there. But in my spirit, it just seems to me like I shouldn't do it, do that. I said, what do you say about it? And the spirit of God spoke and said, don't give them a thing. So I walked back in with the advantage. Why? Jesus said, it's more advantageous. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I go away, I'll send the comforter. I heard what divine counsel said, and I walked back in there with the advantage. You might have got the you might have got the degrees and the and the law papers, but I got the advantage. Jesus went every day before his father to get the advantage. What is the father saying about this? Don't you ever think, because Jesus was threatened every day of his life through his earthly ministry. They were always trying to look for the opportunity to take him out. Don't you ever think he was surprised by that? He knew everything that was going to... He walked up, he he knew the short guy's name in the tree. You think if he knew the name of the short guy, you think he didn't know all the op- opposition that was going to come That's against right. him that day. And he was fortified. Why? Untroubled. He already knew the answer to it. He already knew the outcome of it. Why? He already saw and heard. This is the life God offers us, the life of seeing and hearing. So that we go out and face the day knowing. Not because we figured it out, but because we're walking in the Spirit. Amen. So in that hotel room, I was ready to go to bed and I dawned on me, wait a minute, they want to know where I'm getting $400,000 tomorrow. And I said, God, you know where that money's at. You know everything I need in connection with that. All I need to do is hear what you know. What is that? The wisdom of God. Just got to get your wisdom. So I said, so all I'm going to do is take time to hear. And I just prayed that simply. And then I took off praying in other tongues. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is going to make known to me the wisdom of God. He knows the mind of God. And he's going to impart that as I take time to pray in other tongues. So I just laid there for about 10 minutes praying in other tongues. At the end of 10 minutes, like a bubble, up came the answer. And it was a divine answer. And it didn't cost us a thing. And the bank paid for it. And it wasn't a loan. That building over there, they took their money and paid for it. And it wasn't a loan. Because I got a divine idea. One divine idea. One divine idea. And they said, yeah, we'll do that. I go, yeah. Yeah. Nothing troubles the one who hears and sees. If, if people are worried, you haven't heard. No, I know what the word says. Yeah, but have you heard the, what the divine helper, the Holy Spirit revealed to your particular situation? Because we need to know some specific things, not just general things. We need to know specifics. 
I went there knowing this, my God shall supply all my need. But I knew that verse, but I had to, I had to hear the specifics of how he was going to supply that need because he needed my participation in that. I went to the bank and I told, in fact, I called Pastor Debbie because I knew she had worked at a bank. And I said, Pastor Debbie, this is odd to me. I said, will a bank even entertain this? She says, you never know what they're going to do. Call them, tell them. There's, that's why I call certain people and not certain people. And so when I went in and my, the administrator and I went in and we met with them and I told them what, I told them the plan. They, the first thing is, you know, a couple of them walked in and they, they said, I don't, it'd been a couple of months since Ed's home going and they walked in real somber. We're so sorry about your husband's home going, me too. <laughs> Why? I'll play widow. You want to play widow? I'll play widow. You wouldn't dogpile on a widow now, would you? I'll play it. I'll play it. Brother, I'll get in it with you. We're so sorry. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I don't mind holding a hanky for you. I'll hold one. Let, let, let it, make it look like we're going to have waterworks. I told them the first thing, the first time what God said to me, they said, no, we're not going to do that. So I started all over again and told them again. She said, no, we're not going to do that. And so I started it all over again and told her the, 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 the strategy that God gave me again. And I knew she wasn't listening. So I told her again, why they already decided what they were going to request of me. Why? Why'd you tell him again? Because faith comes by hearing. I'm going to let you hear it again. It took me three times of telling the exact same thing. And the third time she said, you know, I don't know why that wouldn't work. Yeah. Why? Because God said it. I don't care that they didn't get it. God's always right. I just keep saying it till they get it because God doesn't need to change. He's right. I didn't question what I heard from God. I questioned their hearing. Jesus operated and lived this way, taking time to hear. What an honor to live this life hearing and then going. There is no risk tied to faith. Why? It's not a, it, this may not work when you've heard, when you've heard, and then you stay with what you heard. Why? It's the truth and no lie. It's the truth and no lie. It's the truth and no lie. When you stay with it, the outcome is certain. Amen. Praise the Lord. So I've lived this firsthand before I got out of bed. I started doing talking. Why? Before the devil started talking, I'm talking first. I'm not losing my mind to you. Don't let the devil do your thinking. He wants to do your thinking for you. It's called worry. He's doing your thinking for you. It's called fear. He's doing your thinking for you. It's called doubt. He's doing your thinking for you. Isaiah 40, 31 again, but they that wait upon the Lord. This has become a lost art in the body of Christ, waiting upon the Lord. What do we talk about waiting upon the Lord? Well, I'm waiting for him to do something. No, ministering to him, ministering to him, ministering to him. You have a harvest of him ministering to you. What you sow, you reap. You minister to him. He ministers to you. And when he ministers to you, what does it look like? Miracles. Wisdom, divine intervention, divine help. And people are trying to work things 
when all they need to do is minister to the one who works. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew or exchange their strength. God does not just, it, the word tells us the Lord is the strength of our life. God does not take human strength and just touch it and energize human strength and says, now go on that. Now don't misunderstand me. He can do that. But that's not what this is talking about. They that wait upon the Lord shall step out of their strength and step into his strength. It's his own strength that happens when you take time to minister to the Lord. Dad Hagen used to lament in his teaching to us over and over. And he would lament the direction that people would take with their praise and worship services, their song services. The words to the songs are wrong. And he would say, he would say this to us. Most of the singing in churches is not ministering to the Lord because they're singing about themselves. It's all about us. I was falling apart. I was in a hole. Yeah, you were, but you know what? Get, get past that conversation. It's not a dishonor to God. But many do it from an emotional place rather than coming into the revelation of I'm in Christ now. Life is different. He is my righteousness. I'm not holding to the forefront how wrecked my life was. That's not the forefront of my, of my worship to him. I, I'm focused on him, not me. This is worship. And the majority of songs and pastors go back and pay attention to what songs are being sung in your church when three out of the four choruses are about, three out of the four verses are about how bad life was before he found you. You're missing the mark. That's the song of the, of the spiritually young. Those who are mature in Christ, we're all about him. We're all about him, who he is in us. He is the greater one. And we're bringing him to every situation. We're not bringing our past to every situation. We're not bringing what somebody did to me to every situation. And pastors need to get scriptural with their songs that will bring people into the knowledge of who they are instead of where they've been. This is part of ministering to the Lord. It doesn't minister to the Lord when you remember how bad your life was. When you show him, I know who you are and what you've done and the price you paid. And this is what my attention is full of. Now you step into miracle flow. Amen. I'll tell, I tell, I'll tell this because it's funny. And Dad Hagen's gone anyway. So I won't get in trouble. Dad Hagen would say this, and it's true. He said, don't you ever go into any man's church and tear it up. He's right. He's talking to traveling ministers. He's absolutely right. He said, if they taught a certain way, and I knew they didn't like a certain message, he said, then I stayed off of it. I just, I'm not in there to try to force them into my way. He said, I just bring them the word in the, in the way they can receive it. So that's what he meant. But we were in the back room here. Dad Hagen had come here, done a meeting, and he had made a statement like that. And somebody, I won't tell who, but it was funny. <laughs> Dad Hagen's there, and they said, yeah, Dad Hagen's preaching that, and he's, and he's laughing. He said, Dad Hagen came to our church and got us kicked out. <laughs> they were the pastors. He was a little boy, and he got, said, got us kicked out. <laughs> and we were laughing, you know. How did Dad Hagen, because there was nobody more correct than dad Hagen, more skillful than dad Hagen, you know, in these things. And so we were laughing. They said, because they got up and sang a song in his service. 
And it was full of doubt and unbelief. And everybody's just shouting. And they're just crying. And they're just, they're just wrapping themselves all up in it. Wow. And so Dad Hagen got up and he took that song line by line. <laughs> and he preached the word and showed the error of each line of what the word said. Because he said, you're pumping, you're pumping false doctrine into these people. And I said, well, how did that get you kicked out of your church? He was a little boy and his parents were pastor. How'd that get you kicked out? Said, well, that song was real popular in our denomination. And the man who wrote it, his mother was in that church. <laughs> and we got kicked out of our church from Dad Hagen bringing the truth of the word. <laughs> they should have been glad to kick the song out. Kick anything out of your life that reminds you of what you're not anymore. Songs, conversations. I've been around people who had gone through very difficult family problems, family divorces, family issues, and been around and sit and listen to them. Hash and rehash. Tell that same story again. And I, I said... Every time I get around, I've heard this for two years. I'm tired of it. And I wasn't even there. I'm tired of it. I know God's got to be tired of it. I was saying to God recently, I know none of y'all would do be like this. I was lamenting something, you know, just a few things about me. Not... Don't, don't worry about it. I mean, not a life of sin. I'm not talking about that. But just some traits. And I said, you know, I wish I was more like this. And I wish I was more like that. It would help me. It would help me. And I just feel bad that, you know, I'm not this or I'm not that or whatever. And God said to me, old things are passed away. All things are become new. You are a new creature in Christ. And the new creature in Christ gets to choose. You don't have, you're not sentenced anymore to your body and your mind choosing. The new creature chooses. And he said, if you don't want to be that way, choose. Choose something different. And it dawned on me what one preacher had said. Somebody asked the preacher, are you a night person or a morning person? He says, I am what I need to be. He had learned I'm a new creature in Christ. I choose. I choose. Anything that has to do with me fulfilling the plan of God, I get to choose what's going to facilitate that. And I choose to get rid of anything in my life that hinders it. And, I, and I'm not going to say, well, that's just my natural temperament. No, the new creature chooses. Why? He, has, he rules and reigns in life. So quit saying, well, I'm just... That's just part of my temperament. You choose. Well, you know, I, you know, my family, we're hot-headed. That was born in. Choose. You're a new creature. You get to rewrite what you want based on you choose. So you don't subject everyone to your flesh and to your inborn temperament. You're welcome. Happy New Year. So, they that wait upon the Lord, they that put him first, they that wait upon the Lord, they're going to step into a divine strength. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And in that divine strength, not human strength energized, divine strength exchanged for human strength. What is that? That's in the spirit. That's the life of God. That Zoe life that we're tapping into. They that wait upon the Lord, they step into a strength. And in that strength, after they have, as they spend time waiting, that divine strength becomes a flow they step in. And what happens? They, they mount up. People are trying to mount up without waiting. People are trying to mount up in their own strength. There's a divine order waiting divine strength 
then mounting up. And then what happens when you're in that mounted up flow? What is that? That's a spirit flow. It's life in the spirit. What happens? Then when they're in that flow, they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Why? Because it's not human strength. They're in divine strength now. That's why fulfilling the plan of God doesn't wear them out. It energizes them. They keep going. This is so critical to us in this hour because we're in the last days where everything is accelerated in the plan of God and we have to keep pace with the era. And keeping pace with the era is done by uh, running and not being weary. Walking and not fainting. And you can't tap into, you can't just say, I run and I'm not where I walk and I'm not faint. No, that's for the person who waiting on the Lord. That's not a confession to make. That's telling you where you'll arrive when you wait upon the Lord. You can confess it, but you don't get there by confession. You get there by waiting. And you mount up. What's that mean? You get above. You get above the low flow. You get above that human strength and the limitations. I'm not saying you don't rest your body, but I'm saying that there comes a flow that's offered us that it's up to us to partake of. I said it's up to us to partake of. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Um, now, when it says this, it said, they shall mount up with wings as eagles. How does an eagle mount up? One way. They shift. They shift the wings. They go like this. They that wait upon the Lord, they shift their wings. What's, what, is, what are your wings? Your attention your mind, your thought life. What you touch is going to determine where you go. What you touch in your thought life is going to determine where you go. They that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength and they shall mount up. Why? Because they shifted their attention. They shifted their view from all the things that are opposing them. Now they're coming into the flow that's offered them. Amen. So our, our attention plays into what flow that we're going to operate in. I said our attention plays into it. Praise the Lord. I, uh, I, don't care, I don't care who you are. You get to keep being a doer of the word, right? I don't care how long you've been good at it. You get to keep being good at it. Because every era, every arena... Every new phase of ministry offers new rooms that you now get to become skillful in, in that one. And every new room calls for new skill, a new level of skill. And um, in past months, I, uh, I said to God, I said, because I, I, I noticed, you can notice in your own life when there's just nagging pushing on the mind just thought and it's not not depressed I'm not oppressed but it's just there and I've, I've learned how to not yield to it I learned how to answer it just like you do you answer wrong thoughts you can't outthink them you answer them and I know how to do that and it dawned on me I said God for months now, nagging thoughts. Not in, just around. And I said, I know my problem. How many of you know the devil's not our problem? I said, I know my problem. I'm too accessible. I'm too accessible. Go with me to Psalm chapter 91. Psalm chapter 91. And I'm going to start in verse 7. Psalm 91 and verse 7. I'm going to read out the Amplified Classic. So if you have that to 
to where you can pull that up, it would help. Because the King James doesn't have the same wording that I want to emphasize. Psalm 91, verse 7, the Amplified Classic. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only a spectator shall you be yourself inaccessible in the secret place of the Most High as you witness the reward of the wicked. See, verse 7 is the reward of the wicked. A thousand falling at your side, 10,000 at your right hand. That's the reward of the wicked. That's not your reward. Verse 9, because, well, as you witness the reward of the wicked, verse 9, because you have made the Lord your refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place, there shall no evil befall you, nor any plague or calamity come near your dwelling. Well, all of this is, goes back to verse 1. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high. You can't just confess verse 7 and 8 and 9 and... Yes. unless you're doing verse one yes. and two. Yes. He that dwelleth in the secret place. What is the secret place? It's the, it's the flow of the spirit. It's the realm of the spirit. It's God's flow. God's flow. They that dwell, dwell. Remember what Jesse said, not visit. Right. Who was, was it Jesse who said it? I, I'm, 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 I'm gun shy now of who to mention. Yes, abiding, not visiting. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Verse 1. Now verse 2. I will say of the Lord, He's my refuge, my fortress, my God, and Him will I trust. How do you abide? You say verse 2. I will say of the Lord, you are my refuge. You are my fortress. I'm not coming out. Yep. Uh-huh. And then when you do that, you become inaccessible. Right. You know why people are worried? They're accessible to us. Uh-huh. You know why people are fearful? They're accessible yeah. to worry. In this era, this last day era, listen, there are demons held in reserve that their assignment is last days. But even more angels held in reserve that their assignment is last day's harvest. What am I saying? There's going to be activity. There's going to be accelerated. We're in it. We're seeing it. But it's only going to accelerate. But we're inaccessible. That's what God intends. Not troubled, not harassed, not broke, not struggling, but we're running and we're not weary. We're walking. We're not fainting. Why? Because we've chosen our flow. Jesus got up every day and chose his flow. He didn't necessarily feel his flow before he chose his flow. You're authorized to choose your flow before you feel any other flow. Amen. This is when Ed went home to be with the Lord. I had to choose my flow. I had to choose it. That's why for weeks I walked around the house. I worship you, Father. I worship you. Why? I'm keeping my mind out of that trench of grief. I'm keeping that door closed to sorrow. I'm not going there. And I had to on purpose choose that every day. What am I doing? I'm making myself inaccessible to sorrow and grief. I will not be accessible to it. Many times people are trying to get rid of fear. Just make yourself inaccessible to it. How do you make yourself inaccessible? They that wait upon the Lord shall exchange their strength. And in that strength, that's divine, they mount up. They get above it. You can't keep the devil from opposing, but you can, you can certainly stay out of his flow. Praise the Lord. I love the statement when some Bible school students asked David Oyedipo, they said, and it was a good question, uh, said to him, said, I can imagine the amount of opposition you get with the voice and the position God's given you in the body of Christ. And I love, I love his answer. He said, I guess I have, 
I just haven't noticed. You get to choose your flow. Why do people stay in the wrong flow for too long? Many, we've got to revive that art of waiting on the Lord. Amen. Stand with me to your feet. Father, we thank you tonight. I hope you're helped. Can I, can I say this? Um, you remember when the enemy armies joined forces against Jehoshaphat and God's people and they put praisers up front. When they did that, it says that God set ambushments when they began to praise. They hadn't even, they, they weren't even doing it for a long period of time. Just when they began to praise, the Lord set ambushments. What did he do? Praise made them inaccessible to their enemy. And the only thing accessible to their enemy was themselves, each other. And they started turning on each other because that was the only thing they had access to. Can I tell you, your help is as easy as your praise. I cannot begin to tell you what the great victory and the great life of God's strength is connected to just a habit of a lifestyle of praise. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. That's how you step into that flow. Stay in his flow that makes you inaccessible to the lower flow that troubles you. Know this, if you're tired, choose another flow. And I'm not just talking physically tired. Nothing is more tiring than trying to live your life mentally calculating it. Nothing more wearisome than manhandling your own destiny, your future, your today by what you can maneuver and figure out and work out. Nothing more tiring than that. But you get respite from that. You get a rest from that. You get to escape that kind of lifestyle by starting with him hearing. Hearing. Amen. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming